Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Katie. We're your animates, and today we are following up on our series of historical-based episodes by diving into uh, the next era of animation. Last, uh, last time we did an episode like this, we talked about the Golden Age, uh, which is roughly from the 20s to the mid-1950s. Uh, and today we're going to be starting in the late 50s and going into the early 80s with what has become known as the Dark Age of Animation. Uh, I don't really think it deserves that title. I think there's a lot of great stuff that came out of it. Uh, but the reason it has that name is that this was the era that uh, more defined animation as, uh, as for, for mostly for kids. Uh, it was when low-budget TV animation was thriving, uh, so it stopped having the same artistry as it did in the Golden Age. It stopped being seen as the new uh, fantastic art form uh, that it was often seen as in the 20s and 30s, and more became something that you could use to have cheap jokes for children. Uh, which, you know, for better or for worse, I think that has some of that has remained to this day. I think that a lot of our perceptions about what animation is uh, largely is based on this era, but I think in, in recent years, I think we've sort of come out of, of thinking of animation as A, just kids stuff, or B, things that are, are cheap. Um, I guess if we really wanted to find a, a moment that, that led to this era, uh, although, you know, it was sort of a beginning in the, in the late 50s, uh, I think a lot of people would argue that Sleeping Beauty was kind of the beginning of the end. Uh, it came out in 1959 and it tanked at the box office. Uh, which was surprising to, to the Walt Disney Company because just a few years earlier, they'd produced Cinderella, which did incredibly well. And they seemed to think that this was, you know, a, a profitable uh, way forward to retell these fairy tales and bring back some Disney princesses in a way they hadn't necessarily done uh, by 1950s since they'd done uh, Snow White originally. Um, but Sleeping Beauty tanked and Disney basically decided that they're going to stop putting the same amount of effort into their animated movies. Uh, and from there, uh, it seemed like many other companies sort of, <laughs> sort of followed suit and no longer uh, were as as keen on making big budget animation. Um, Katie, have you, ever, have you ever seen Sleeping Beauty? What do you, have, do you have any thoughts on it? It's Disney. You know I haven't seen it. <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, I feel like Sleeping Beauty is like of like the classic Disney princess movies. I feel like it definitely is the one that people remember the least I think people mostly remember Maleficent hence why she's the one who got her we didn't get like a full-on live-action remake of Sleeping Beauty we just got the movie centered on Maleficent uh, who's a great Disney villain um, but as a whole I think people don't really think too fondly of, of the movie so I'm not super surprised that it tanked um, and then of course it would be many many years before Disney would go on to make a, a princess movie it wasn't really until uh, 1989 with The Little Mermaid that they went back to that model. So it, it underperforming really had had shockwaves within the Disney company. Um, and you can also really see it in the animation of what came after. So after that, uh, first of all, Disney produced fewer animated movies. Uh, they produced a lot in the 50s, like, you know, Peter Pan, uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland, uh, a lot of real, real classics. Uh, but the 60s and 70s, uh, the, the pace was definitely slower. Uh, we got things like 101 Dalmatians, uh, we got The Rescuers, Sword in the Stone, Aristocats, Jungle Book, um, some of which are, are better remembered than others, but I think something that is undeniable is that the animation is worse. Um, they were reusing a lot of animation in this time, uh, 
they they were just you know copy and pasting there there was some new technology at the time i forget what it was called uh where they they were able to basically photocopy cells um and that's part of the reason why there's such a distinct style uh, like of a sketchiness to those movies like if you look at like 101 dalmatians and the jungle book like there's like a sketchiness to them uh and that apparently comes from uh comes from that process of of basically copying cells um to to produce uh more seamless animation but also it could be less textured and colorful uh because you weren't you weren't drawing it all uh, frame by frame as they were doing it before so that's that that's kind of a shame that we that we sort of got that point I think I think very few people's favorite Disney movies came out of this era I've never really encountered a person whose favorite Disney movie is like the Jungle Book or 101 Dalmatians I'm sure they're out there I'm sure I you know I think people have a soft spot for them sometimes but like I, 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 they're, they're definitely the less well-regarded ones. Um, it's, and it is pretty clear to see why. And then, <laughs> then meanwhile, of course, uh, like I said previously, uh, as the Disney company was, you know, not making as many uh, big animated movies, uh, also not helped by the fact that Walt Disney died in the early seventies. Um, and prior to that, he was apparently very focused on his theme parks and his TV, his live action TV and his movies. Um, there, there's a, a very famous anecdote, uh, which I, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, about uh, Walt Disney in his final days uh, having a screening of To Kill a Mockingbird at his home. And after it was done, he apparently lamented that his company would never create anything that was so experimental, beautiful, because they had to uh, be very kid-friendly at that point, which is uh, what, what basically happened with, with animation in general. It was when we got all, all of our, our classic Hanna-Barbera cartoons, uh, which, you know, we, we touched a little bit on Tom and Jerry uh, earlier in our last episode in the Golden Age. Um, there's definitely less of a bite to these, to the Hanna-Barbera cartoons of the 60s and 70s. Uh, that's where we start getting um, Flintstones, Jetsons, uh, Scooby-Doo, McGill um, Gorilla, all those wacky races, all, 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 the, all the ones that we remember from Boomerang. Um, there, there. I, I love, I love a lot of these. I don't want to say that I don't, but there's definitely less of the uh, violence <laughs> and the edge that you got from Tom and Jerry from these. These were much, these were much slower paced. They were basically a lot of them were basically just sitcoms, like the Flintstones and the Jetsons. Like aside from you know the fun animals that are being used as modern appliances in the Flintstones and the cool futuristic technology in the Jetsons they could basically just be live action. They had a laugh track included. They were, they were very, uh, very shoddily animated. Uh, you can look online and find nothing but compilations of just the, the uh, backgrounds repeating in all these old shows and animation that's barely moving at all. Hey, what, what do, you, do you have a, do you, were you a Hanna-Barbera kid? Did you ever watch any of those? Or do you have a, a favorite of, of, the, of that era? Uh, in terms of, general stuff from them i mean it wasn't jetsons and flintstones things like rocky and bullwinkle was that hannah barbara i'm not sure if it was but it was definitely of this era, of that um, era. i also I love rocky and bullwinkle love that, those style were the ones that i would watch yeah that's a, a rocky and bullwinkle i think is also a good example of like that other shift that kind of happened in this era because naturally it's like a yin and yang approach you know like as cartoons began to be seen as more of kid stuff, thus, ro thus rose adult animation. Uh, it didn't really hit its peak until the 90s, but even here in the in the 60s and 70s, uh, this is when like Ralph Bakshi started doing things, when we got like Fritz the Cat uh, and uh, his uh, Lord of the Rings. 
um it was (laughs) there were there were a lot of (laughs) there's a lot of a start of of can we make edgier things and make it animated uh and Rocky and Bullwinkle is absolutely part of that uh you know still still kid-friendly enough that like you and I watched it I assume as children um but then we now I think both have a greater appreciation for them as adults uh there's there's definitely more of a a bit of an adult adult vibe to to Rocky and Bullwinkle's style of humor Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Teresa. And we are the hosts to the true crime, horror, and conspiracy podcast, Terra Australis. Filled with lots of Aussie humour, you'll be able to get your weekly dose of sarcastic horror stories and true crime cases. Find us on all major streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Or check the link tree found on our Instagram at Terra Australis Podcast. Yeah, American animation wasn't doing so hot. I would like to say everyone else is having a pretty good time. I, this was this was like from from what I recall, this was like really the rise of anime, right? Anime was coming up. Um, Astro Boy, Speed Racer, a little bit of Voltron. So you have that really coming through. Um, but also, we have reviewed at least one animated film from the era, Fantastic Planet. Fantastic Wild Planet. Um, another quirky film of Yellow Submarine came out in this era. We've had uh-huh. one person call multiple times for that to be reviewed. Uh, all right, eventually we'll do Yellow Submarine, gosh. Yeah, no, Europe and in Japan were having a great time. This is also the area of the Soviet cartoons were having oh, a fun time. <laughs> this also would have been- uh, I think Czech know, animation was having a good time. Just the US was having a rough time. <laughs> Well, you know, I think in a lot of ways, they're just because the U.S., I think, started sooner. So, of course, they would go over the peak sooner, um, whereas everyone else is catching up and are more in their golden ages as the U.S. is declining. Um, but in, I, I think this also would have been, as it's also good time to mention, personal favorite of mine, Monty Python, uh, with all of its animated segments as part of the, the main bit. Uh, very fun, very quirky and experimental. Uh, you know, again, more more in that in that expressionist uh, golden age uh, vibe than than what was going on in most of the U.S. at the time. Um, you know what else we got in this time, Katie? What that we you, I know you and I hold very dear to our hearts is Schoolhouse Rock. Uh, started in the seventies. We were just talking the other day of doing a whole episode dedicated to this thing because <laughs> it's which we should. It's the thing is my memory of it is sometimes I forget it was a whole show and not just a bunch of clips they showed us in in school. Like, yeah, I watched the, the episodes. <laughs> I watched it. I watched whole episodes. We had the collection for car rides. You haven't gathered. I had a very odd eclectic collection of car ride films i took a lot of car rides as a kid um but man it's a fever dream a beautiful beautiful fever dream so wait so so is there stuff interconnecting the segments because again i've only seen it in the form of the segments that's a great question remember when i said it's a fever dream that's how i remember it uh, okay I, <laughs> I my remember, memory of it I I there was think, the juice box. yeah i think there are recurring characters and stuff I well, don't remember how Rocky, it connects, but Rocky's like the superhero who like is like the main character, possibly the one who's like on like the posters and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I that, this was apparently also uh, quite a thing of the era was was edutainment. Um, 
the part of the reason, by the way, why Hanna-Barbera's newer shows didn't have the same bite that Old Tom and Jerry did is that with the rise of cartoons being seen mostly for children and with the rise of television in particular, uh, which had more restrictions and films, uh, animation was more heavily censored in this era than it had been previously. Uh, so that's how you get a lot more of these cartoons that are supposed to have a good message for children and a moral uh, and not feature too much violence. Um, so I guess that, that makes sense that we got Schoolhouse Rock out of this era, which is great. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't want an edgy Schoolhouse Rock. I don't know what that would be. Um, Pitch that man. reboot CW Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> okay, but no, but like actually, can we bring back Schoolhouse Rock to like teach critical race theory? Because like I feel like some of these idiots down south don't fully get it, and probably some idiots up north too, and idiots wherever idiots may be found. But like. If Schoolhouse Rock could sing a song about systemic racism in the United States and its long and terrible history, I, I, I think we could. I think we could change some minds. I think I, I, tr I trust Schoolhouse Rock to teach me a lot of things that I don't. I don't trust regular textbooks to teach. I know how a bill becomes a law now. I never would have taught me more about taxes and money than anything else taught me. Sorry, what'd you say? I think they taught me more about taxes and money than anything else. They have yeah. a whole. 10 episodes on, I think that's how you count for no nine episodes on it I I do I, I I admit when I'm trying to remember the 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 type the types of words that exist like you know noun adjective conjunction um conjunction. I, yep exactly I I do I do have to think in my brain what was the what was the associated song in Schoolhouse Rock and I mm. use that to figure it out uh, and it hasn't failed me yet. We, we love you, Schoolhouse Rock. Never change. Or come back as a reboot and, and change lives. Can you imagine if they did an episode on why vaccines are good? That would be so great. <laughs> I'm, I'm get, getting, a little, getting a little off topic. Um, oh, another, another thing that started becoming very popular in this era, uh, another thing near and dear to my heart, superhero shows. This is this is where we get a lot of the original Marvel shows, original uh, DC shows like Super Friends. Um, it's it, 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 all the iconic uh, like Spider-Man theme songs. That's that was from this era. A uh, lot, lot of Wham Pow. Uh, certainly was was bolstered by the, the Batman live action series on in the '60s and '70s. Uh, that would have been a pretty a pretty strong boost to to superhero shows. Again, not that those didn't exist uh, prior. Uh, usually more in the form of of shorts before before movies. Like there's a lot of Superman shorts out there, uh, but with the TV format, they could do more uh, long form stories than just what a short would allow. So they began to. That's where we see a lot of a lot of the start of what we would later be think be a staple of television is the superhero show. So that's a that's an exciting exciting development. Uh, I mean, obviously that was happening too with just a lot of shows because once shorts stopped appearing before movies, which would have would have pretty much started, you know, that would have been happening in the 50s and 60s. Uh, there's suddenly a, a need for for kids to find their find their animated short content somewhere else, and TV was also just starting up in that era. That's that's awfully convenient. I will say, I, I wish I wish we could go back to a model of every movie you see having a cartoon in the front. Like I don't care if they recycle old cartoons. I I like that. I feel like movie going to the movies used to be a much better value, right? Like you go you go to the movie, you would see a short, you would see a newsreel, you'd see the coming attractions, or I guess they'd probably be at the end in those days. 
uh, and then you see a movie. And sometimes it'd be a double feature, like, and you'd pay like a quarter for that. I don't know. You what, don't want to see the newbie stuff before the previews. I hate newbie with a burning passion. Who, who in the world likes newbie? Who, who I would rather stare at a black screen than newbie. I don't know. It caused some great laughs the other day when I went to the theater. Great laughs from newbie? Do tell. Because we finally tried to use the newbie app and it was quite hilarious. <laughs> Are you Not the in a good way. Ever downloaded the newbie app? I didn't download it. Our queer correspondent did. Oh my God, Beth, why? <laughs> uh, but that brought us laughs because it, it's bad. It's just bad. I'm sure it is because I didn't expect anyone to actually download it. I'm surprised you didn't like download it and you get like that, like, like a waiting image from like that one episode of The Office where it just says like website coming 2003. Like, I'm, re- I, I'm really surprised that that it was a functional app. The functional I, might I be an understatement that, or overstatement. Recently that like wanted you to like play a game with your phone while you were like on the, I don't know if it was newbie or something else. But like they played the same like bit of like a Space Invaders type game uh, like five times in the course of the 15 it, minutes of the movie I was there. That is Nuvi. And that's what, what was happening. Oh, oh, was that what it was? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> we know how it works now. Oh my God. You're encouraging them. All right. We're getting, we're getting very off topic, but stop encouraging them. We need a formal <laughs> petition to get rid of Nuvi and replace it with literally anything else. Cartoons. Some of the worst cartoons of this era. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like put some put some like garbage from like the Super Friends up there. I don't know. I'm 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 being un- unfairly cruel to the Super Friends. For full disclosure, I have never watched an episode. I've just you know heard about it and seen it parodied, which is also fun. <laughs> yeah, that. So that that's more or less the uh, the gist of this era. Uh, we got some. There's some some certainly some standouts. Uh, uh, Peanuts, Charlie Brown came out of this era, which is is definitely a high point. Uh, stop motion became incredibly popular. Uh, well, incredibly popular. It became a little popular uh, with all those old Rankin Bass uh, cartoons, which not cartoons, uh, the stop motion uh, Christmas specials that we I think we with all you. still have a soft spot for. My favorite things of the Christmas season. I, all right, I, I'm I'm a little bit unnerved by by it. Oh, I, Santa Claus they're is coming so off putting in such a nostalgic Christmas time way. They they both it's like it's like the if you go to some old lady's house during the Christmas season, you'll see those uh elf dolls that often are just decapitated heads. That's oh God, it. that's horrible. Yeah, we have a couple that we put on our tree from our family. I won't say if they make it to the tree. Oh, oh God. <laughs> but those hold a special place in my heart and that's when I know it's Christmas. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, yeah, it's, they, they both move not enough and too much. They're in that, they're in but that- But they put what, one foot in front of the other. That works. I'm more talking when they're just like having a conversation and they're mostly completely still. And you kind of buy that because like, all right, it's cheap animation, whatever. But then like they slightly twitch back and forth and it just gives the image of like a half dead insect. Like that's that's the vibe I get from that. Um, I made the joke of putting one foot in front of the other and now the song's stuck in my head. Not stuck in my head too because that song is incredibly catchy. It really is. And the penguins. (laughs) I mean, you're just mad because you didn't get a Hanukkah one for your childhood. Yeah, where is my Hanukkah movie, Rankin Bass? 
I, I, I demand answers. <laughs> Maybe I'll, you know what? I could, I could make a stop motion film of roughly the quality of 1970s Rankin Bass. How hard can that possibly be? I want to see you try. I don't have like three years of my life to devote to this project. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be like Ben on uh, Parks and Rec and just like have like a menorah moving side to side for like 20 seconds, and then that's my whole life's work. <laughs> So yeah, there. This was, you know, this was a reflecting back on on what we have just discussed. It, it was definitely an experimental transition type era. There was there was some good, some bad. Uh, but I think what's really shocking about this era is how much it really did lay the groundwork for what would come after. Uh, even if it, the quality changed quite a bit and people started taking it more seriously, a lot of trends started in this era, uh, like just generally TV animation, stop motion. Uh, the idea of a special on TV in general, like I mentioned the Peanuts movies, uh, the idea of having, you know, a 30 some odd uh, television special that was, you know, just a, a, a thing for kids to watch and enjoy, that obviously continues to this day. Um, as, as influential as I know we, we discussed last time the golden age was, the so-called dark age uh, as kind of a bit of a misnomer. It really did, it really did have a, had a profound impact on, on what was to come. Uh, Okay, do you have anything you have a favorite thing that came out of this era? Or just cool as rock? <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking about the Christmas movies. What would you like more? Uh, Schoolhouse Rock or the old Rankin Bass Christmas movies? Mm. See, the thing is, I ha- I think I have to see the Christmas movies because I go out of my way to watch at least one every year, if not multiple. Schoolhouse Rock. I haven't gone out of my way to rewatch, mostly because I forget about it until the song gets stuck in my head randomly and I just go, where did it come from? Well, see, so, okay, so that's what happens to me too. Sometimes I just like am minding my own business and a Schoolhouse Rock song will pop up and I'll have to go look it up on YouTube because I think they're like basically all there, at least all the ones sure. that like are are popular. I had Mother Necessity stuck in my head a few a few weeks ago. It's about the the inventions, you know, Mother Necessity, where would we be? Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Um, do you think do you think there's like some satellite that's just like occasionally beaming Schoolhouse Rock songs? No, no, heads? it's like the SpongeBob episode where the the song worm gets stuck in the head. You do have a little worm in your head just singing. Or like, or like an Inside Out when the the little memory things just occasionally send the uh, the mint commercial up into uh, Riley's head. Yeah, I, I think that's more or less what's happening. And now I'm gonna go on and watch Schoolhouse Rock, <laughs> which I think is a very good use of my Friday night. I, there's, yeah, there's probably there's probably better things I could be doing, but I can't think of them. I right mean, now. I now know what our Christmas episode is gonna be this year. Uh, yeah, why- I would much rather talk about the Peanuts Christmas special. That's the one that I no, always no. like. Come back We're going to be watching all of the the claymation ones and ranking them. I'm sitting you through. We're going to rank and pass them. But thank you, thank you. I was waiting for that rim shot. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll 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 do. We'll definitely. I I I haven't seen a lot of these in a while. Unlike you, I don't really go back to them. It's more just like I'll, if I see it on TV in the Christmas time, I'll like pause on it for long enough to remind myself how creepy they are. And Why then- would you specifically not watch a Christmas special? Okay, but I do watch a lot of Christmas. Like I said, That's I true. love watching the Peanuts special. I watch the Peanuts special every year. You know what? I think to, to dispel this, this misconception about Jewish kids, just because we didn't have our own uh, holiday specials didn't mean we boycotted the other ones. Given no other options, we were mostly forced to watch your Christmas specials, which are largely very good. I have no problem with most Christmas specials. They're all- Do you like the Christmas story? 
I love a Christmas story. It's about a little Gentile who gets his toy and then shoots his eye out. It's great. It's karma. If he celebrated Hanukkah, he would have gotten eight very small gifts and he would have felt grateful that his parents gave him even that. And then he couldn't shoot his eye out with a gun. We got really also, off no topic. No self-respecting Jewish child would even handle a gun. We, we, we're, we're too scared. We're, we're, we, we, we would not need our parents to warn us that we'd shoot our eye out. We would have be born with the intrinsic fear for our own lives. That all Jews are born with. <laughs> we are way off topic. We, we, have, we, we, we better wrap this up uh, before we start talking about something else insane. <laughs> Yeah, we really took a, we really flipped the time machine upside down on this one. You better get to work flipping it back over. I don't, I barely know how to operate this thing. Kate. I mean, I know you, you messed with all the controls last week when I wasn't here. I, I did a lot of I dials. messed with them. You yes. know who messed with them. You, I, I listened to the recording. You said you were going to go in and start messing with buttons and you did. And I had okay. to reset all the time machine functions. There was, there was a cartoon dinosaur in there. From like I don't know, so you leave the keys in the ignition and let someone go joyriding through a uh, through the history of animation. And they picked up a dinosaur. They visited the Flintstones. There we go. We we brought it back full circle. We brought it back to the Flintstones. Yay! All right, we brought it back to the correct era. Now we can talk about the Flintstones gummies, which are also part of the legend. Can we can we call the Flintstones gummies part of this era? I mean, I I feel like they probably didn't come around to like in the nineties or the two thousands. When did people start taking vitamins? I feel like that's a nineties. I don't thing. know, but they're the most important part of the Flintstones. What was with the really sour ones? Why, why did they do that? I don't know, but you can't lie that those gummies didn't keep the Flintstones in the vernacular for way longer than they should have been. Well, they absolutely did. Like, I, I feel like I wouldn't have known who the Flintstones were unless I had those gummies. And then I would just like wash it on Boomerang and be like, okay, like that's vaguely shaped like the gummy. I didn't have the gummies for a while. I had the chalk ones. Those were also pretty good. Eh, no, those those were the. I mean, they, they, those were better in the sense they would like go, go better with your breakfast. Like the the gummy, the sour gummies ones. I remember always being like, oh, this tastes good, but I wish I wasn't eating this with my oatmeal. Like mm. that's yeah. a that's a bad combo. Anyway, <laughs> take your vitamins, kids. Are we, I think we're a vitamin podcast now. I don't know what happened with this episode. Christmas vitamins. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to another off the walls episode of Cartoon Time Machine. I'm going to go back in there and finish cleaning up all the gunk that Katie left in. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Katie. We're your animates and we will see you next time.